Today we're watching a documentary about the first woman in Germany who discovers what lesbians are. Hi, I'm Nito Kitch, and tonight on the Game Arcade Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association, we look at Virgin Machine, my nickname in high school. But, <laughs> but most machines can be useful. Here to theorize on what uses a virgin machine could have are two of my best friends. First up, she invented the sex bomb, it's Amelia. Hi, my name's Amelia, and I just really want to know, isn't a virgin machine just a Sibian? <laughs> Anyways, that's what I think a virgin machine is, and that can be found at the Nefarious Navigator on, on Instagram. <laughs> Next up, they're the only person that built the Connects roller coaster, it's Ro. Hi, I'm Ro, and I'm here to tell you, Amelia, that you are wrong. The virgin machine is a Tesla truck. <laughs> <laughs> And you can find me on twitch.tv slash susqueenrow. Virgin Machine is a unique... We'll just say unique film and is, if nothing else, a lesbian film from Germany. That being said, it's time to get into the plot, so if you haven't seen it or don't want a spoiler, get out of here. Shoo! Go. That stuff. Go on, get. Get, get back... Get back to Germany, yeah. Um, get back to where you once belonged. Virgin Machine follows Dorothy, a German journalist unhappy with her almost romanticless relationships with men, including her half-brother. She decides to go find her mother in America and ends up meeting women, which inspire the article she's been working on about romantic... Lo <coughs> romantic love. I'm keeping that... <laughs> I'm keeping that burp in. Tell us how you really feel about that. <laughs> slowly, she learns more about not just romantic love, but her eyes slowly open to the rainbow universe of sexual freedom as she starts to discover more and more about who she is and what she's really looking for. So, what did y'all think? I loved this movie. <laughs> I knew I knew within the first 30 seconds, I was like, this is my type of movie. I'm going to enjoy the fuck out of this. And guess what? I sure did. Well, that's <laughs> what you enjoyed the fuck out of this movie because I did not understand the vast majority of this movie, and I'm not afraid to say that out loud. Well, that's what we think, but if you've seen this movie, you're into watching it. Like... Um, we should also mention this is a this is a feminist movie, specifically a pro-sex feminist movie. And it is very pro-sex, and I am very happy like, with that. <laughs> so very, very. Like, there's there's this definite, like, um, the best way I can put it is, like, um, this movie is very similar to Hedwig and the Angry Inch and how it presents Germany as not very forward-thinking sexually. And, uh, and compared to, like, how forward-thinking, like, America is with, like, its... Uh, exploration of sexuality um right the first half of this movie feels so like academic in the way that they talk about like relationships and like endorphins and amphetamines and all this stuff <clears throat> and then she goes to america and all of a sudden it's like hi do you want to see a women-only strip show? Do you want to see my collection of dildos and/or butt plugs? Like, man, I envy such that a, collection. Like a vast <laughs> shift in this movie between its like its Germany half and its America half. 
Do you think some of that is... Oh, I was just going to say, this movie to me just reads like... I don't know if German New Wave is a thing, but like a Czech New Wave kind of uh, film. Um, This movie in particular reminded me of this Czech film by Miloš Forman called Loves of a Blonde. And like the whole movie is basically just woman explores sexuality. But I thought this movie did it a lot, lot better because, first of all, it was written and directed by a woman, which makes miles of difference. You know, whereas that film, like, someone somewhat feels like it's objectifying the protagonist in some ways. This film is a lot more focused on, like, this protagonist just, like, exploring her own sexuality and discovering it. Um, Oh, yeah. There's a lot of, like, personal empowerment. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah, this movie focuses a lot on women and female pleasure. Uh, when it comes to, like, sexual and romantic love, specifically, um, how do you think that, like, it does as far as portraying that desire for each uh, for each by the main character? Um, and how she... Can we talk a little bit about, like, how she slowly discovers herself. I think this film is very effective at that. Um, starting off with the cinematography, I think it's very, very obvious. Um, if you compare the shots with Heinz in them versus the shots with Bruno with her brother, with her half brother, um, the shots with Heinz are just inherently uncomfortable. It's like these high up, like Dutch angles, like, you know, the guy just seems creepy. The soundtrack is just kind of very uh, startling compared to, like, the soundtrack for the rest of the movie. Um, and he's so handsy. He's so handsy. He's, like, all up in her space all the time. Like, has no sense of personal space. None. You didn't like his theme song? Oh, I actually did love his theme song, but it's just, like, I, it, I thought it was very uh, purposeful yeah. that he had the one theme song that was just completely different from the rest, to a point where it like kind of yeah. made you uncomfortable with him, you know, because it just feels a lot more frantic. It feels a lot more energized. It feels a lot more like just discordant with the rest of the soundtrack of the movie. Like it doesn't belong like her and him just don't belong together. She knows that. And he's just there for her to pass the time, which is exactly why when she's like going to go back to the relationship with him in the beginning, she's in this, like, super wide shot riding on a bicycle down, like, the street to get to him. You know, it's just, like, a very distant and, like, very kind of discordant relationship. But then with Bruno, like, all the shots with him are just so intimate. And, like, there are times where the way that they're on each other, it just, like, feels like a Renaissance painting almost. The way that he's, like, leaned back and she's just, like, kind of over him. Um... Yeah, and I think, you know, going into later in the movie after she's in San Francisco, it's kind of the same thing. Like, that intimate, that entire scene with the Ramona, I thought was so well done and beautiful because it really reminded me of some of, like, the very intimate uh, experiences that I've had with other women. Just, like, it's so much more, like, based on, like, touch and, like, just this intimacy that isn't necessarily, like coming from actual sexual simulation, but just that intimacy, like, brings you into such a, like, deeper kind of aroused level. I don't know. I just thought the cinematography did, or the movie did a really good job of expressing those things. 
I think the way that even that they expressed male sexuality was super, super interesting with the uh, the scene at the strip club with the drag king on stage. Like, I watched that entire act and I was like, wow, <laughs> they really got men nailed. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the uh, exploding foam from the beer bottle. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, so, we're, hashtag realistic. I'm going to lead with my hips, and then I'm going to hold a beer bottle until, like, climax and pass out. So, so let's talk a little bit about our main, our main character, Dorothy. Um, how did you... My big thing with Dorothy is I absolutely... Fuck. There is something so gorgeous about the eyes I've seen from actresses and musicians that have come out of Germany. Mm -hmm. Like Nina Hagen. They're just so expressive. They're so they're so beautiful and they're so just very spot on. You can tell just looking into them the range of emotions they're feeling and it's always complex and it's always beautiful and she has these amazing eyes that are just so expressive uh, while she's like discovering everything and that's to me I think the most important thing about her because these white eyes if you're listening if you're listening from Journey make sure uh, eh. if you're listening from Germany make sure to find us at Gay Ecopod on Twitter and let us know if NATO was just <laughs> no I think you're very correct about that there there wasn't an instance throughout this film where I questioned what she was feeling based on her like eyes like and that is something that stood out to me too like there that scene where she's talking to the guy that looks like a racer head and he's like sewing something like she just seemed like so into whatever he was sewing and so like entranced by that that it like really made me focus on that um when she's like thinking about her brother versus when she's with her or when she's with her brother versus when she's with Heinz, like her eyes speak so many volumes about like how she feels about each situation. Like, and there was so much focus, like so much purposeful focus on the eyes specifically too. Yeah. It's like, she, it's like she's opening her eyes to things. Uh, yeah. It's like, she's actively like learning and evolving, um, as a character, as a person, and figuring things out, very just a very observant person, like you'd observe, like you'd expect any journalist mm-hmm. to be, you know. And I, I think that's also kind of a metaphor for the state of feminism at the time that this movie was made, because this was released in the late nineteen eighties, mm-hmm. right? And third wave feminism came about around nineteen ninety two. And third wave feminism is all about, you know, sexual empowerment and, like, empowerment in the workplace and, like, making sure that, like, we instill into the minds of young women that, like, you you have the ability to to do the things that people say that women should not be able to do. And that goes, like, professionally and sexually and, like, within roles in the home. So, like, this, I feel like it was you're coming into a time of more sexual empowerment. And this is, like, 
I want to say like the like baby steps towards you know like a more concrete idea of sexual. One thing that really come. stood out to me in that respect, and this is like kind of a minor scene, but I just think it really tied in that like just super feminist like sexual empowerment message was that scene towards the end, the second time that they're in the strip club where it's Dorothy and uh, Dominique and her friend or whatever. Um, and that guy comes to the to the front and like the bouncer is just like, no, it's ladies night, ladies only. And he's like, I'm the king of porn. I don't like I get in wherever I want, blah, blah, blah. And he tries to be like, I'm just trying to look. And they're just like shutting him down. They're like, nah, you need to leave. You need to go. You need to go. And I think that like. And they set him up immediately from like the beginning of the, his appearance in the movie too, as like just the most mm-hmm. lecherous lecher. Imagine if we had no straight nights at gay clubs and all the kerfuffle that would. Oh cause. my god! Oh no! No straight nights at the gay club. But where am I supposed to go have my bachelorette <laughs> party? <laughs> <laughs> Um, can we talk about, uh, one of the things is, um, as a journalist, I think Dorothy is more of sort of like the Hunter S. Thompson, see where the story takes you kind of character, kind of journalist. Um, and I think the journey that she takes is really, really fun, and uh, especially when she goes off to find her mother, which is kind of a shame she never found her. If you... And that plot kind of just went nowhere. <laughs> um, but I right? think... I kept wondering when the mother was going to show up. The mother is America. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but it's like... See, I just... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I disagree with that. I think the the mother wasn't really, like, a major part in her life to begin with. And I think also the fact that she's a journalist wasn't really meant to be something that, like, she was good at. I think it was just meant to display the fact that, like, her main thing, like, her main passion and, like, the one of the biggest things about her is that she is very inquisitive and just, like wants right. to know and wants to like discover things um, it's more of a symbolic <laughs> yeah it's like a symbolic thing it's like yeah she's a journalist right <laughs> just just imagine just just imagine for a second like you're reading like a journalist article and she's talking about you know uh hormones and stuff and how men are superior in aspects those are all like lines that she wrote in germany and then like a month later, you have another article. It's like, oh, I like this, this, uh, this, this journalist, this writer, and it's all about, like, you know, um, I messed around with ladies in San Francisco, and now my complete, and it's really cool, and I got to see dildos and vibrators, and it's just like, oh, the shock, the horror, you know. And now I dance at a strip club, and I find it really empowering. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's a very sharp contrast uh, from the Dor- from the Dorothy we see at the beginning to the Dorothy we see at the end, and that's actually one thing. How do you think the ending sort of amplifies the themes in this film? I thought it was a very powerful ending, right? Because she's so there were a lot of times 
throughout the film where I felt like water uh, was just kind of juxtaposed to to her being either thoughtful or like in a particularly emotional state or whatever. Um, and she kind of has her back turned to the water right there. She's ripping up these memories essentially and throwing them behind her into the, I'm guessing it's the sea, just like never to be seen again, right? To be washed away. As she's like about to probably like face her future, face the city of San Francisco, um, to start anew essentially with like, you know, maybe she's like a full blown lesbian now. Um, completely like just divorced from like this previous life that she had and then it was like just a freeze frame of her face which just goes back to like the focus on her like expression and her eyes um yeah I thought it was very impactful I thought it tied it up perfectly do you think that the we talk we've talked a lot about the contrast about Dorothy in Germany versus Dorothy in America. Do you think that there could be any other place that she could have like gone to that would have had the sort of same impact? Amsterdam. Amsterdam doesn't exist. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um but you know, you know what I mean, like cause, the mythical city of Amsterdam. Because <laughs> like Germany is Germany is even at this point, like in time in the eighties, was seen sort of as like you know, black and white behind the times, kind of meh, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. And America is like you know, land of opportunity, bright and shiny. Get your dildos here, especially in California. Right. You know, do you think that? the stereotypes from the contrast of the countries helps amplify the ultimate message of this film that not only can women find who they are independent from men, but women should also basically seek out their desires. I mean, I think they did as much as possible to make that contrast as clear as they could. Like, in the beginning of the movie, you see her watching this program where this woman is using language like, Woman is like flower pot. Man is the one who do the begetting. And, like... Man water flower pot with penis. Right? <laughs> And I think, yeah, it's it's fairly clear, like, in the environment that she's in at the beginning of the movie that the men who are after her just have this unreasonable amount of desire. Like, doesn't she at one point when she's trying to, like, take a bath get this call from this weird guy whose uncle was an SS general and he's yes. like... <laughs> What you what you need is a submissive man <laughs> who will who will let you step on him <laughs> and who will take up little to no space in your life. That is one thousand percent what I think all Nazis next? are into. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then she gets to America and, like, she all of a sudden is, like, looking at dildo collections and talking to women who are very knowledgeable about sex and, like, going out with hustlers <laughs> and, you know, paying $500 for a day. I love that nine. for her, by the way. <laughs> like, I was... I was kind of shocked by that the end of that scene until I saw her laughing and I was like, oh, okay, she's into it. <laughs> well, to her, I think with her character, that was like all just part of the experience for her, right? Like, I think Dorothy yeah, was like just I, a very like, life for her was about the experience of living. I remember at one point in the movie thinking, like, I saw her face, her whole expression, and I was like, this is a woman that just wants to always chase that joie de vivre, right? She always just wants to, to find the excitement and, like, the right. exploration and the, yeah, joy of life. Or else why would she, like, take the time to jump into San right? Francisco, like, <laughs> neck first? <laughs> and, like, really, like, <laughs> like hit America yeah. running, you know what I mean? Do you think this... M mixing my body metaphors. <laughs> what do you think would have changed about this film had it been made, say, after third wave feminism was really established? If this movie were made in the 90s... Or even like the I 2000s, think... you know? Hmm... So, if it was made in the 2000s, like, you kind of see around the 90s and the 2000s, like, a rise of, like, female, like, girl boss artists, you know what I mean? Like, people in, people in the public eye who are very much trying to sell that, like, I am my own woman, I make my own money, I do my own thing kind of vibe. So I feel like this if this were made in the 90s or the 2000s, it probably I don't know if it would have taken quite the dive into sexual freedom, but I feel like it would probably be focused more on like economic and societal empowerment. I actually have a kind of a different take so i think it's important to remember that this movie's not made in the u.s right mm -hmm. um, and uh so having seen some of the german films that came out like in that 2000s era um not so much in the 90s but in that 2000s era i think it would have actually like taken that sexual aspect even further um i think at that point most likely they probably would have had like somebody that was a little more genderqueer and it would have been a little more weird. Like it would have been even more weird than the, this original. Oh, was. absolutely. Absolutely. I think it, especially like the further along you get into the two thousands, the more like they would have probably felt comfortable portraying that sort of character because like the kids are all about the genderqueer nowadays. Yes. Yeah. I mean, speaking as somebody whose gender is certifiably 
huh? Uh, <laughs> I feel, I feel like there's a lot of territory to explore, and I feel like if there, if we are approaching like a fourth wave or fifth wave feminism, it will definitely live more in that blurry space of what does it actually mean to be woman or man, or, like, a person in a body. I, I really hope fourth-wave feminism just gets rid of, like... The dwarf and turf? The assholes who... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> all of those are, like, second-wave feminists. They're not even, like, third-wave... Uh, um, the thing about this movie that I love absolutely the most is the radical acceptance of people. It's something that like, made me tear up watching it because I just wasn't—I wasn't expecting it. Um, Dorothy accepts like the drag queen without question. Dorothy accepts the escort without question. Dorothy accepts, you know, everyone that she interacts with kind of, like, wholeheartedly and lovingly, like, without question. It's it's this uh, optimism of, like, uh, of just, like, seeing people as sort of, like, equals instead of, like, you know, seeing this one person as, like, oh, they're just, you know, they're this weird performer person the this idea that she is so open-minded and accepting to all of these new ideas without sort of being f- freaked out or turned away by them i think is probably the best message this film has oh absolutely i agree because if if suburban I agree. If a suburban Dor- housewife from germany can accept all this gay shit so can you <laughs> I mean, you... well, Germany in the 1980s. I feel like there's a very big difference between Germany in the 1980s and present day Germany. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, oh, absolutely. I think, I think since the Berlin Wall fell, like Germany has been infinitely more yeah. progressive yeah, ger- than the Germany, US. Germany like, got horny really quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's appropriate for the podcast, but well, I was gonna say like the Germans that I've met at at certain um, kink underground kink place things uh, are always very like kind of shocked by like how prudish even today like a lot of those spaces are in comparison to like what they experience oh, in Germany. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, American. Like, as Germans <laughs> got hornier, Americans got more and more repressed. <laughs> right. We had the 60s, and then everyone else was right. like, yeah, they, we're they done. They made this movie no in sex. the late 80s where they're like, America's the pinnacle of sexual freedom. <laughs> and nowadays we're like, wow, Germans, Germany's really kinky. <laughs> but in, in Maurice, they did that, too, because in Maurice, the hip- the hypnotist literally tells him, like, you should go somewhere more accepting, oh, like America. 
<laughs> or, or Italy, or like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Italy, this is Italy's this movie is creepy. more on what we'd call sort of like the artistic side, because in a way, in a weird kind of way, it's like a, a, a mockumentary, the way it's kind of presented. Um, it's like a pseudo mockumentary where it's like, it has a lot of elements of like documentary filmmaking, but it's very clearly like narratively driven. So it has this like, it has a cult following. It's seen as sort of like this feminist art house movie. And so my question to you two is Socorro, what are you doing? I can't answer that like for you because we I would know your cat right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my my question for you two is like, do you think that there needs to be more? And we're gonna watch. We're gonna certainly watch some gay art house films, but do you think? that there can be more substance when it comes to gate hard house films versus some of the more traditional films we've seen? Or do you think it just depends on the films we watch themselves? Like obviously Jeff London is, you know, just, yeah, I think honestly it depends on the story, right? Because the documentary style really worked well for this movie because they were dealing with real subjects and, Sometimes they were talking to real people. Yeah. Um, like the the lady with the briefcase full of dildos. Sex- Susie Sexpert. Like, is it- Susie Sexpert. Susie Sexpert <laughs> is amazing. Who she's an actual like real life um, sex ad- advice giver who has obviously been doing important work since the 80s. And, um, you know, so I think, I think, it, yeah, it really depends on the story because this, this style of storytelling really seemed mm-hmm. to work well for this film, even though I spent, like, the first 15 or so minutes, like, wondering if this movie had a plot um <laughs> Amelia, do you think that more viewers of queer media should actively put art house films sort of in their queue? Do people still have queues? That's still a thing, um, right? I mean, I have a watch list for most of my stuff. So, yes and no. Um I love art films it is i literally have a criterion channel collection let's just put it that way our collection <laughs> um, subscription that i pay for monthly so like let's put it that way <laughs> like i'm an art <laughs> film person um i literally have sat down and watched a movie called a turin horse that is a hungarian film that follows the horse that broke nietzsche so it's not about nietzsche but it's an existentialist film about the last week in the life of a horse. So, like, <laughs> um, with that being said, I don't necessarily think art films are for everyone, right? Because, like, I think some people, like, people watch movies for different reasons. Some people watch movies as a form of escapism, and they don't want to think that much or that deeply. And if you're that kind of person, 
art films are not for you. That is completely valid and okay, but you should probably not watch this movie. Right. You have to have, like, a really high tolerance for very experimental storytelling styles. Well, this actually brings us to sum everything up. So, Amelia, does this movie make you want to explore lesbianism in America's left coast? Or do your half-brother for all eternity in Germany? I would never want to do uh, my half-brother ever for any reason. Um, but yeah, this I would easily become a lesbian for this film. <laughs> yes. 80 thumbs up. 80 dildos up. Whatever, yes. <laughs> 80 dildos up where, Amelia? Up where? <laughs> Aquaman. Um... <laughs> Ro, does this movie make you want to see more movies with drag kings or be hit with a surprise bill when your date turns out to be an escort? Um, this movie really grew on me by the end. Um, I would love to watch more movies like this, absolutely. Anyway, that's what we think, but if you've seen this movie or ended up watching it later, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your experience with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Gaycapod, that's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for new suggestions, and we can't wait to experience more movies with you. I'm Needle Kitch, reminding you that you won't be a virgin machine forever if you don't want to. Later. <laughs> Fucking bye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you.